0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Angels, we all have them. They're our unseen guides, our companions, our teachers, and they're all around us. Sometimes... They make themselves known in the most miraculous ways. Join angel communicator, Reiki master, and QHHT hypnotherapist Christy Clemens Hoffman for stories from real people who have experienced real-life angel encounters.
1: Welcome back to Real Life Angel Encounters. Today We have encounters with Susan Walters, who is an artist that will actually draw your angels for you or paint your angels for you, actually, after having a near-death experience. But I think it was multiple near-death experiences. So Um, yes, (laughs) multiple near-death experiences when you were a child. So, yeah, let's start from that. Um, When were you first aware that you had an angelic team? Um, I had near-death experiences at four and then another one
2: again at six. And it was after, yeah, you know, it was during those experiences, I was introduced to three of my own personal angels. But after that, yeah, you know, after I woke up, I realized that I, I, you know, I was seeing those three angels, but I was seeing even more than that. Um, yeah, you know, I had a number, you know, probably, you know, a larger team than some. Um, and I think that was part of it was to help me understand, and to continue to let uh, have that evolve into the work I do today, which is the angel portraits that you mentioned. But um, yeah, during those experiences, yeah, um, just to describe it a little bit, it was yeah I went to this absolutely beautiful garden full of wildflowers and lots of like, you know, little animals, you know, running around like I was used to seeing on the farm where I was growing up. There was, you know, I saw mice and baby rabbits and snakes. And yeah, um, you know, I was raised on a hog farm. So yes, there were pigs and my uncle up the road had cattle. So there were cows and yeah, horses. um, because We had horses as well. Um, So just things I was familiar with that made me, you know, feel comfortable. And then my angel, the three angels were waiting for me, like underneath a, this massive, massive tree that even though they were probably 15 to 18 feet tall, even they couldn't reach the branches. Wow. Wow. And one of the things that I actually, I'm not sure, even with talking about my near-death experiences, I don't think I've ever shared before. This wasn't the only tree in the garden there were other trees and it's like other gatherings and welcomings were taking place underneath. Now, I couldn't give you any specifics about them, but I could tell that's, that you know, there was laughter and welcoming and hugs going on you know, underneath each one of these trees
1: so many people having near-death experiences in either near-death experiences or in their
2: first step stages of crossing over right
1: yeah Wow mm-hmm. so at four years old did you understand what was going on how did you have any context for this um, I understood it was
2: my angels True. Um, yeah the, you know, I grew up in the Lutheran faith which, you know, is pretty much the Catholic faith without any of the pretty stuff. So angels were mentioned, but not really talked about. You know, that's one of the pretty things that seems to be you know, left out of that, at least of my, my experience of with it, particularly as a
0: child, yeah. You know, I, um,
1: I, I feel like it's my understanding that in, in these religions, it's like angels are talked about, but that's not for us yeah you know what I mean it's yeah like, here they are, mm-hmm. these are beautiful and, but but we'll never experience them that's kind of my thought of yeah it's like you
2: know the only you know you heard about people like yeah you know, um mother Mary um okay. encountering her angel that you was telling her that she was gonna give birth to the Christ so yeah they're talked about in different situations like that but yeah yeah it's pretty clear that yeah, at least from religion's point of view, that an everyday person isn't going to have an angelic experience.
1: Right. So, so here you are, you kind of knew what angels were, it had been talked about, et cetera. So at such a young age, did what did you think was going on? Yeah, um, I know. I think, I think it actually took me years to really
2: fully understand what took place those you know, on those two occasions. It was My body was literally going through life-saving surgeries at the moment. Yeah, Um, it's what brought it. Yeah. But, yeah, I was in this beautiful place where I was, you know, was not experiencing any of the pain or any of the fear of that a child would normally experience going through, you know, you know, what was going on in my body at the time.
1: Sure. Maybe you didn't even have a concrete notion of what death was. No, I didn't.
2: Yeah, I'd never been, to, I'd never, at that age, you know, our parents, yeah, and even I did this as a parent, as it didn't take my young children to things like a funeral. Right. So, yeah, yeah um, and I still had not only all of my grandparents, but um, many of my great-grandparents were still alive at the time. Yeah. So I had no concept of what death was.
1: Right right and so you have these two near-death experiences just two years apart were they the same they were very
2: similar in that i went to the same place mm-hmm. um i think there was more there were more things that happened at first you know like the second one i asked about stuff i was being taught in sunday school oh that did Yeah, you know, that was something that didn't happen in the first one right um, what did you ask yeah, you know, yeah, you specific questions, I'm gonna be honest, I don't remember. Sure. I just yeah, I've you know, I've re- you know and, and I know one of the big questions that I have started asking after the first one was how long is God's day? Because it you know, after seeing and experiencing some of the you know, just the intense love and light and yeah you know, that I saw and experienced during my first NDE, To me, that massive experience could not be held within a day. It just didn't logically make sense to me. Right. right. Yeah, so I know that was one of my questions, and it was a question I continued to ask um, in Sunday school. I'll
1: bet that made very <laughs> popular in Sunday school. Um, no,
2: what it was? did not make me very <laughs> popular. It made the teachers very uncomfortable. Well, I'm sure. No, yeah. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say because they had no idea how to answer such a question. Right.
1: Where would a kid come up with that kind of question? Yeah. And were you able to tell anybody about these questions? Um, you know, being such a young age and of course, you know, especially you know the term
2: near-death experience didn't even exist yet. It was didn't come about until the 1970s. So and even if it had, I wouldn't have heard it, you know, in in the environment where I was being raised. Um so you know my best way of explaining it was as part of my dear and you know, the other experiences was they, you know, show me the world through the eyes of of the animals that I was seeing in the garden to start with, you know, so I would, you know, tell stories about, you know, when I was a snake, when I was a rabbit, when I was a mouse and, you know, and after a while, my parents just flat out said, quit telling those stories. So I just quit talking about it. I didn't quit experience or or seeing any of the things that I was seeing. I just quit talking about it.
1: It's pretty, uh, you know, we can learn that in pretty quick order, not to talk about things that are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. All it takes is once, and then it kind of shuts us down. So after these experiences, did you continue then to see these beings? Um, yes, I still do. Um,
2: yeah, I just didn't talk about it until I was probably, I was in my 30s again, before oh I really God. started sharing um, what I was seeing. Um, and actually, first with um, my husband at the time, yeah, what which yeah, he grew up, you know, not attending any church at all, oh. so had no experience. So that you know made him uncomfortable as well. Right, right. Um, yeah, it wasn't really until they started showing me not just my own angels, but everybody else's. And my angels were coming to me saying and telling me that this is what they wanted me to do was to draw, you know, find a way to paint or draw what I was seeing, you know, with people to help them connect with that. That's when I really started, you know, talking about it. But, you know, even at the time I, I had two teenage sons, I had two toddlers. So I wasn't, you know, doing it, you know, doing it a lot yeah yeah it's just it's just been more and more as my children grow up and now I you know empty nester um yeah that I'm actually now doing this full time
1: yeah right you're very successful at it as well um let's let's circle back before we get into like all the things that you've got going on your angels they wanted you to draw them and wanted you to see other people's angels like what else were were you communicating with them
2: I, yeah, a lot of times, you know, as I was growing up, it was, there wasn't a lot of verbal communication. It was almost, it was more like I was hearing, because when they communicate with each other, it's very tonal, very musical. So that's more what I was hearing. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, I would be sometimes like given like quick little snapshots, photographs. Yeah. Um, sometimes they would point at things. You know, to lead me into or lead me away from. Sure. Um, certain situations and things. So that, yeah, you know, that's more what it was like growing up. So it was a lot more subtle.
1: Okay. And and how has that communication evolved over time? I yeah, you know, over it's more like it's almost like I've gotten interpreters over
2: time. Tell me what that means. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like there's a certain group of the angels that help me understand what what the that tonal music means and the significance of it.
1: Okay, yeah. Right, because tones, this is so common with NDE experiencers that they talk about this music, these tones, this frequency mm-hmm. of sound. Is yeah, so- and I've, I've come to understand
2: over the years, and actually, it was probably 2010, 2011, 2011, I started understanding that the tones were very, very specific hertz frequencies, um, known as the solfegeo frequencies.
1: I remember doing a reading for you, and that came up, and I'm like, I don't even know what a is. Uh-huh, Yeah, oh, you cool. yeah, you were part of it.
2: Um, introducing me to what the self-agio frequencies, but the, the first person um, was another local healer here in the Kansas City area uh-huh. that um, was doing a workshop around six of the self-agio frequencies.
1: Oh, wow. I remember mentioning and, it to you and you're like, oh,
2: that is significant. And I said, well, mm-hmm. do I don't know what it is. Yeah. And I just, uh, from there, I continued to do research and found out there wasn't just six self-agio frequencies, but nine sets of nine for a total of 81 and there's there are you know other very significant very important frequencies that are also very healing there but they don't fit in that pattern of pythagorean math that makes them specifically sulfasio frequencies and they kind of call under the uh, you know whole tones would probably be a, a real good way to describe them
1: Mm, yeah, got it. Got it. And then you've turned these tones into art. Yeah, into mandalas. Yeah, how do you do that? Um,
2: they're essentially channeled. Um, I'll li- literally listen to that tone or that frequency and first create the line drawing for the mandalas. Um, I do that now in Photoshop, but um, to help me with the symmetry of a mandala, but um, yeah. And then they're colored by hand using colored pencil. But yeah, it just, yeah, it's like, I'll do like starting at the center of the mandala and kind of do one layer at a time moving out. And it just, until it feels right. And there are times where I'll set with a mandala halfway done for two, three months. And then all of a sudden hit me with it. Oh, okay, that's what I need to do. Yeah, and then I'll do that one more layer and just, yeah, until it feels, feels complete. Yeah. So essentially they're channeled.
1: Yeah. You know, and you've got these mandala, so mandala coloring books that I just love. I yeah, love they're fun. Books. Yes, they are so meditative and fun. And then, okay, so you all, well, I'm getting way ahead of myself. So when these angels started telling you, you need to draw us and you need to paint us, what was your reaction? Um, at first,
2: um, I argued about it for about six months. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, like I said, I, you know, I, I had four kids. Yeah. I, was, yeah, I was a busy stay-at-home mom at the time with two teenagers and two toddlers still in diapers. Yeah, um, you know, and one other minor detail in that I wanted you know played with being an artist you know the thought of it when I was a kid when I found out I was born the same day as Michelangelo but I had no talent none um yeah so yeah I'd sketched a little bit here and there but I you know and I had some nice colored pencils that but I was, what I was drawing before that was literally very straight geometric lines using rulers and protractors and, you know, which probably helped later on with the mandalas that I still create. But at that time, doing something freehand, I had no clue. I really knew very little about mediums. Oh, wow. So, you know, when I first started trying to, um, you know, do an angel portrait for, some you know, to just to play around with the concept, of how it was even going to work. I started with watercolor very quickly, you know, learned watercolor is probably the most difficult medium there is. Yeah. It's pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah. So yeah, I wanted to do watercolor cause that was the closest to how I see them as being very transparent, very translucent. Sure. But, um, so yeah, then I went to pastels because I could, I could blend the colors very easily. And that was one of the things I really liked about the pastels. And I probably used the pastels for about the first maybe four to five years. And I was only doing angel portraits, you know, like two, three Saturdays a month at one of our local stores where I'd gotten to be friends with, you know, the owner. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then with time, because I just wasn't getting the detail I wanted, I then switched to color pencil and that's what I still use today.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, and you, you achieve beautiful colors with it and it has this nice soft look to it as well. And I think. It, uh, yeah, but I, I do draw them more
2: intensely than I see them because I want you to be able to see the drawing across the room. <laughs> oh, true. Right. Yeah, because they're they're a lot like, for me, kind of like seeing that ray of sunshine between the clouds. That's how translucent they are. The colors are very, yeah, but also very glowy. Yeah, you know, there's a radiance to them.
1: Yeah, yeah. And do they all look similar around people? Um, Their body
2: shape? Or, you, know, you know, beings made of light, but um, yeah, they show me a body that seems, you know, is very, very similar. Um, arms are always outstretched because they're ready to exchange energy or embrace whenever that is needed. Mm-hmm. Um, what is very unique about them is what we would, we refer to as wings. So, you know, like the, being made of light doesn't necessarily need wings, um, but it's part of their energy pattern. Yeah. Um, so their their wings are very like fingerprints and each one is unique yeah yes I've seen similarities with doing as many as I have um, over this many years but I've never I don't believe I've ever seen you know wings be exactly alike being colors being different you know the patterns you know being a a a little bit different being a little smaller or larger or you know whatever is appropriate for that angel.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel like this work may have changed you or transformed you?
2: Oh, wow. That's a tough question. Yeah. Because um, at this point, it pretty much consumes, you know, at least part of every single day of my life. Yeah. Um, whether, you know, I'm doing an angel portrait for someone else or, you um, Yeah, I do have other angels. Um, Some number of the archangels have come to me for drawings at different times. Um, Yeah, yeah, as well as, you know, some of the other artwork I've now continued to create, they have an influence on. Yeah.
1: Now, how do you um, feel the representation of an archangel might differ from someone's guardian angel or someone's angelic team?
2: Um, yeah, you know, a lot of times with the archangels, there are more, a few more details. They seem to be, they are more often um, holding something, carrying something with them. Um, yeah, you know, Mark Archangel Michael, yeah, you know, is often depicted, yeah, you know, with his blue flaming sword. He carries a sword. Uh, Archangel Gabriel carries a shield. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of different things like that.
1: Right, right. Yeah, are, you know, very, very called- common hagiography the the depictions of different saints and such and how Mm -hmm. the symbology right right interesting and you are prolific I have to say prolific in the amount of artwork that you have produced so um yeah there's quite a bit
2: (laughs) my walls are full (laughs) well (laughs) and there's you know like two there's a couple of pieces yeah in process of being created right now as well.
1: Right. But your art your walls, all of the metaphysical shops, I'm sure, have at least one of your pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like they do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I love- and I and I do some of the, you know, small fairs, not just locally, but I have done some outside of Kansas City
1: as well. Yeah. yeah so homes are graced with your artwork too.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm yeah it's Mm -hmm. uh yeah um, oddly enough even a a friend of mine went on a on a cruise ship um a couple years ago and the woman was sitting on a deck yeah coloring one of my coloring books no way yeah and she went up to her I actually know the artist (laughs) so they had a long conversation about that (laughs) Uh, that was kind of fun Oh, they have her come back and tell me about, you know, meeting this, you know, this woman on this cruise ship. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you also do book and magazine covers. I have done a few. Um,
2: yeah, my art's been featured on a few magazine covers. Um, yeah, uh, particularly um, um, a local magazine here in Kansas City um, that we're all familiar with um evolving magazine
1: right we i think we can mention that evolving magazine you yeah. want to give a shout mm-hmm. out to jill jill dutton yeah uh-huh she she's amazing amazing you've also won awards for your book covers um i've won awards for um two
2: of my coloring books um mm-hmm. and um and from um that um it called cover the coalition of visionary resources yeah. And they do some annual awards. That's really kind of a big deal.
1: Um, yeah. In our community, yes, it is. It is a big deal. I mean, it helps you get more exposure, too, because you're an mm-hmm. award-winning artist with no formal training. Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I refer to it as angel tot.
1: Yes. Oh, I love that. Angel tot. Well, and I can, I can just see you arguing. It's like, paint it? Really? I don't know how to paint. Paint it. No, paint it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not going to do that. I don't have time for that.
1: (laughs) Well, now you do. (laughs)
2: Yeah, now I do.
1: (laughs) And super prolific. Now, if somebody wanted to find your coloring books, your artwork, or anything, wanted to have their own angel portrait done, how would they get in touch with you? Um, they can find my website, which is susanwalterart.com.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and Walter is i um, I'm also on, on Facebook and Instagram under Susan Walter Art.
1: Awesome. And uh, all of the pertinent details are there. And I think right. that you can even get the, um, the coloring books wherever books are sold, basically, right? Um, there's a few places you can find them as well.
2: Yes. But uh, yeah, and most, the main place is on my website. Sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, anything else you think is important to mention or anything? Oh your angels want to say
2: um I think to end today I think let's just end with um the foundation of everything is love
1: that's beautiful
2: thanks for joining me today thank you for having me it's been a pleasure
0: Special thank you to James Wheeler for the original music and Cassandra Harold for the voiceovers. Please subscribe and follow wherever you're listening now. And be sure to tell your friends. The more people know about this podcast, the more great story submissions we get. Submit your own real life angel encounters to angelencounterspodcast at gmail.com. Want to know what your angels and loved ones have to tell you? Schedule an appointment with Christy at radiatewellnesscommunity.com.